Welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I'm going into my 15th year of podcasting. Can't believe it's been that long. Um, I want to thank you all for helping me keep this fresh and staying motivated to bring you new content, etc. It hasn't been easy, but uh, it helps me fuel my own passion for hunting. Uh, Speaking of helping me keep this going, please go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags and use promo code John Stallone, all one word, to save 20%. And lastly, if you could, go to Howl for Wildlife and become a member. Um, We have partnered with Go Hunt. So now you could get your cake and eat it too. What what do I mean by this? Well, you can go to Go Hunt and if you look at their insider full subscription, it's $149. And, you know, with the insider, you get the Explorer as well. So we have both packages. But um, Explorer is, is their mapping software. And it's completely dedicated just to hunting you know it's got the public and private land boundaries offline maps 3d point tracker um and all the western it's like the all the western states are included it's uh it's a great tool so you get that plus with the insider you get the advanced filtering and search tools industry leading uh draw odds uh unit profiles and uh, easy to read state regulation overviews and species profiles and expert insights and all this exclusive content plus monthly giveaways. So the Go Hunt um, Insider subscription is an awesome deal, right? But it's $149 a year. And if you've been on the fence and didn't know you, if you wanted to uh, spend that $149, let me tell you, it's really worth it. But we're going to make it even sexier for you because if you come to Howlful Wildlife's site and you go to our our membership profile uh, portal and purchase a insider or a explorer package you not only get a free subscription to go hunt and get all those awesome benefits that we talked about but you get all the benefits of becoming a Howlful Wildlife member and that includes our discounts with our partners, twenty uh, percent or more with our partners. You are automatically included in, in the Howlful Wildlife giveaway, monthly giveaways for gear, and um, hunt giveaways for the year. Plus, you're helping out a great cause. Howlful Wildlife is out there advocating for the hunter and helping educate the non-hunting public so that uh, we can keep doing this for for perpetuity here and so that our kids and our grandkids can enjoy it and uh, it's a really great system and we're super thankful that uh, go hunt jumped on board with us and um, it's a great way to support helpful wildlife it's a great way to get awesome tools that you will use i use go hunt insider all the time i've been a member for a very long time and it's how i get a lot of my tags by doing the research through there and now you're getting extra extra stuff with it. So it's a great, great system. So go check it out. Become a member today. And uh, let's roll into this next episode. Thanks. Hi, welcome to Days in a Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Uh, today we're going to talk to my good friend, David Rigo. And David is a um, 
officer with the Game and Fish Department here in Arizona, and we're going to discuss uh, some of the new changes that have come about. Lots of uh, lots of chatter about that, what's going on, and uh, hopefully we'll get some clarification and be able to put uh, put something together here. What's going on, man? How you been? Um, I'm good. Been super, super, super busy with work, which is not a bad thing, but it takes away from all the other stuff that I want to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's play more. Exactly. So, but, um, yeah, no, I can't complain. Things are good. Things are really good. How about you? Family good? Wife good? Yeah, lots of baseball lately for us. Baseball and fishing. So, it's been good. Been busy, but good. Nice. Nice. Um, why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself, and then we'll kind of uh, we'll jump into it a little bit. Okay, so my name's David Rigo. I'm the wildlife manager up in Unit 9. Um, so I work out of the Flagstaff office. I've been with Game and Fish since 1998. Uh, bounced around quite a bit, but I had Unit 9 uh, once before, back in the early 2000s, and then I got it again about three years ago, so... I've been up here about seven years total now in this neck of the woods. So, yeah, that's about it. Got about a little over 20 years with the department and still liking my job. So Nice, nice. Um, so, I guess, well, let's start off with the easy one. Let's talk about this uh, bonus point thing, the, bo- the bonus point guard plus or whatever it's called. Yeah, Point Guard Plus. Point Guard Plus, that's it. As soon as that came out, a bunch of people were like, oh, my God, now it's going to take, you know, point creep and this and that. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's what it means, but let's, let's, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there on that. I've, I've read the the local websites and seen what people are saying, and, and uh, I, people aren't fully understanding it and how it's working. It's mm-hmm. not... I guess it's it's not reading for everybody really clear. But the way it works is uh, Point Guard has been out for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so Point Guard, you can buy um, anytime you put in for any species, an individual species. So if I'm putting in for deer and I have a bunch of bonus points for deer, I can pay the, it used to be $5, now it's $10 for Point Guard. I could pay the $10, $10 fee for Point Guard and it allows me to... Um, basically protect my points if I can't hunt. Say I get in a car wreck later or something and I can't hunt. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reason is, I can turn my tag in and the, the department will restore uh, my points. So I keep my bonus points, plus I would get a bonus point for that draw as well, just like I would if I didn't get drawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get your money back from the from the tag sale, but you get your points back. So if you have a lot of points, been putting in a long time, that's some insurance there. For some reason, you can't go or for work or whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so that's been out a while. Uh, the only change with that is that the price increase. It went to ten dollars. But um, there, we have three different draws. <clears throat> so we have a, you know, spring draw. We do turkey and javelina, things like that in the spring. Mm-hmm. Then we have a, a mid draw with for elk and antelope. And then we do a fall draw. Is what what's going on right now? And that has you know deer and sheep and buffalo and a bunch of things on it. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a few animals you can buy point guard for, uh, javelina, turkey, bear, bison, elk, pronghorn, deer, 
sheep and sandhill crane. Right. So I, I believe there's nine. So if you were to pay $10 a piece for all nine species, that's $90 for point guard. Mm -hmm. The new point guard plus system, it's, it's $25 and it covers all three draws. So there's some misinformation there. People think it says it covers three draws. So they're thinking, okay, I buy it on the deer draw. It covers me for deer three years. That's not how it works. Okay. See, that's what I thought it was. Draws. So it gives you point guard for every species for the spring draw. Uh -huh. And then for every species for the mid draw. And then for every species for the fall draw. So there's those three draw cycles. So if you bought it now, for instance, on the deer draw, I did. it would be good now. And then next spring and then next elk and antelope draw. So it's the three draw cycles and it would cover everything for $25. So it would actually save you money and you'd have point draw guard for everything. And then the, the other change that came about with that is, um, point guard plus, mm -hmm. um, the tag surrender program. So if you surrender your tag, cause you can't go that tag and we have that, you know, the department has the discretion to reissue those tags. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's the night before, it's probably not going to happen, but if it's turned in, you know, two weeks ahead of time, we'll, we're going to go down the list and give that to the next person in the line. Um, but the way that works that the rule actually changed and it, it says that the next person in line with point guard plus is going to get that tag. So it gives you preference towards those turned in tags Oh, cool! and they're going to go, let's say there's a list of a hundred people that have put in for the tag that weren't drawn. Um, and, and so normally the way it would have worked five years ago is it would have gone to the next person in line with the lowest random number. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, well, actually, it wouldn't even happen until point guard was along. So once point guard was here, it would have gone to the, the person, I guess, with point guard. That was the next lowest random number. Um, the way the rule reads, it goes, it will currently now with the new system, it will go to the whoever has point guard plus. They're going to go down that list. So the next person in line with point guard plus, if he doesn't want it, then it'll go to the next person in line with point guard plus. If he doesn't want it, then the next one. Once they go through all the people with point guard plus, then it will go to the people with point guard um they'll be next to be called and if they don't want it then it'll go to people that don't have either um but it's that's right in rule now so it's going to okay. go to point guard plus then point guard then so it gives you the benefit of being um uh, a preference i guess for turned in tags so it, it saves you money on point guard gives you a preference for turned in tags and that's the two big uh benefits to it right now okay well, I mean, it sounds like it behooves you not to get point guard plus every time. Every time you put in, I mean, but or not every time you put in, but every. So, let me ask you this: Do you know if the system is going to remind people that hey, you know, that three years is up? Do you need to buy point guard plus again? Or that you know, I don't, I don't know, draws, but it, it offers it to you when you apply. Uh huh. I would assume it wouldn't offer it to you if you have it, but I don't know how that's programmed, so I don't want to answer to that okay. um, yeah. incorrectly. But I, So you could still buy a point guard, and why would somebody buy point guard versus point guard plus now, right? Right. Well, let's just say you only have bonus a lot of bonus points for one species, or maybe you're a guy that only puts in for elk and you don't hunt anything else. Right. So you could still buy point guard for that one species and not buy it for everything else. Got it. Um, so we have both those options. So if you're someone like me that puts in for pretty much everything, yeah. point guard plus would make sense. Exactly. But if you're a guy that only puts in for elk every year, you could just buy point guard and not pay for plus and 
um, and go that route. That's why they're still both. Um, right. Um, I wanted to clarify something you were you were talking about how the point guard works to begin with. Um, one thing you didn't say is that when you turn your tag in, yes, you get back all the points that you had going into that draw, but you do not get a point for that year. Actually, you're supposed to get a point for that year. Yeah, Are that's you? In the, because that's you, in the rule. I'm, I, is I'm that new? Reading it right now. So you should once you turn your tag in then basically you weren't drawn because you don't have a tag anymore, so then they would award you a point for that oh, year. because well. I... See, I have not... That has not happened to me because I had a point guard my... My elk tag... Not last year, but the year before. Um, yeah. Two years ago. When yeah, and I and did I mine drew. too, and... I don't remember if I got an extra point, but it's in the rule I now. Def so I definitely did not. I, that I know for sure because I checked. And I'm looking at the bullet point right now. It says the department will restore all accumulated bonus points for that particular species, mm -hmm. including the bonus point the applicant would have accrued if not oh, successful. See, that's awesome. So that that is I mean, part of it now. If it wasn't before, it's it's awesome but shitty at the same time. You know, because that does that does give people a lot of leeway to do a lot. Of, so. Let me ask you this. How is there a restriction? Do you know if there's a restriction on how many times you can point guard something? Or is it just... Yes. So that was another misunderstanding. So it says you you get point guard for three cycles. People are thinking you can turn your tag in three times now. That's still not the case. Mm -hmm. You can only turn your tag in once. Mm -hmm. Once you turn your tag in, then the next time you get drawn, you have to use your tag... Well, you don't have to use it, but you're going to lose your points. Right. So, okay. That's what I you that's, use your tag for that species, time, though. And you start over again. And then, so once you've used point guard, there's no point for, so for me, I've already used it on deer. Mm -hmm. There's no point me buying a point guard, a point guard for deer because I can't use it again anyway. Right. Once I get drawn, now it starts over again. Then I can start buying point guard again. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's good clarification because I think some people were abusing the whole point guard thing. Um, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to give anybody any more <laughs> any ideas on how and how what to do with it. But, um, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't have to get into it. But um, Yeah, I know what you're referring to. Sure. Um, okay, well... Cool. I think that was uh, all-encompassing. We don't need to really beat that with the one over the head. So the next biggest thing that we're talking about, especially with this, the deer regs coming out, is the uh, OTC tag. Um, now, a few months back, I did a podcast with Brian Rimza. And I actually was advocating for this system, and now that it's out, I'm not so sure that I, I'm happy with it. Unless you answer some questions that I, that I have that I'm hoping is, is the case. Anyway, so let's uh, sure. Let, let's let's get into it. Um, how and why did we get here? Let's start there. Yeah, so that's important. Let's get to why we're in the situation we're in and i'm going to go back in time so if you're in your 40s like i am mm -hmm. you probably started hunting in the late 80s somewhere in that range so 
I went back and looked at what was the Arizona population, and I, I just put 1990 to get a nice even number. So Arizona population when I was young and hunting was 3.6 million people. Hmm. Currently, we're about 8 million. So, yep. you know, more than doubled the people from when we were kids hunting Yep. Um, back in the good days, you know. And and uh, then you look at other things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use California as an example. Where are people moving from California? I looked that up. Guess what? Arizona's number two on that list. We get 60,000 people a year just from California, mm -hmm. um, not counting all the other states. I know there's a bunch of people coming from, you know, Chicago sure. and some other places. Yeah, yeah. So, um, But, you know, there's people moving in at a very high rate, and um, we're not keeping up with that on the animal side. We can't grow animals if we don't have rain. So we're going to get to that. So fastest growing states in the U.S. I looked that up. Idaho's number one, Utah, Montana are number two, and tied, and we are in third place, I guess fourth, since they're tied, um, on that list. So, I mean, we're growing like crazy. A lot of our land, especially when you look at antelope habitat, is disappearing. I mean, look at Prescott Valley. Mm -hmm. uh, it's disappearing at a high rate. Where would you rather build, up on a rocky hill or down in some open, nice area where the antelope live? Um, there's only so much habitat to go around. Um and then in some other factors, I looked up the 10 wettest years on record. So the 10 wettest years on record, 1978, we had 15 inches of, of rain, a little over 15. The early 80s, 83 and 84, we were in that range, and then 92 and 93. So five of those years um, were right there of the 10 wettest years on record. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the late 80s, early 90s were glory years for us, you know, growing up. And there was animals everywhere. We had rain. They were in good condition. They were cranking out fawns. Um, there was a lot of feed, good hiding cover, less people hunting them. It was awesome. Um, so then I looked up the 10 driest years. Uh, number one on the list was 2002 with only 2.8 inches of rain. So we went from 15 inches to 2.8. And that was that first big drought that really hurt us. You know, 2003 and four were really bad years, um, you know, on the animal side with fawn fawn recruitment, calf recruitment on elk. And then, you know, 2009, we only had three inches of rain. So, you know, those years coming in, setting up to where we're at now, there's some big droughts coming in. And then I looked at the 10 warmest years on record for Arizona. And nine out of the 10, so 2017, 2014, 2016, 2015, 2012, 2018, 2007, 2003, and 2009. So nine out of the 10 are in the last essentially 15 years on us um one was in the 80s but you know we're not getting rain it's hotter mm -hmm. um that we just don't have the habitat we used to have to grow the animals that we used to have um the fawn hiding cover isn't there so even if we did have a good fawn crop say for antelope um they're laying out in the open you know and the, the coyotes are picking them off so and that's another thing in 1994, we banned trapping, and that's having an effect over time. You know, there's a lot more predators and stuff out there that than there was back when we were kids because people were trapping them heavily. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of factors coming in here. It's not just a one, you know, one little issue that we're working with, or we shot too many, or this or that. Um, so I want to I want to tell you some stats just from from my unit, from Unit Nine. I've got it right here from my hunt wrecks this year. Um, my fawn to doe, my buck to doe ratio this year on surveys, mm -hmm. I saw three bucks per hundred does three, <laughs> and that is super low.
Yeah. My my three year mean is only eleven bucks per hundred does up there. Uh, Fonda do ratio is down to thirty six. So they're all going down. My hunt success dropped to sixteen percent this year. Well, what are some contributing factors in there that you know that are going to affect that 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 come into play with this archery stuff? Um, you know, and I start looking at it, and the the over the counter season in Unit Nine. Um, we only have an August, September hunt and a January hunt, but we're, they still killed 58 deer in 2020, um, which is double what they normally kill. Because if you think about it, the last couple of years with COVID, people haven't been working. Right. People are out in the woods. There's people working from their trailers on their phones. So rather than showing, showing up for a weekend and hunting two or three days and going home, maybe doing that twice during the season, they're literally living there for 40 days straight hunting deer. Yep. So sooner or later, they're going to kill something, right? Um, the, the other thing is my average for hunters, historically, I have about 146 hunters in Unit 9 with a bow, archery hunters, a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I had more than four times that many, 603 hunters archery hunting. Wow. So, I mean, and my three-year mean went up to 271. So my three-year mean doubled because of the last couple of years. But... So you go from 140 hunters a year to 600 hunters a year, killing That's more huge. than twice as many deer. And then the archery harvest was 31% of my total harvest. We can't sustain that. No. I mean, people are off work. They're able to hunt. That's great. But we don't have the animals. We're not growing them. So something has to change, right? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of all this stuff coming to a head all at once. That's all leading up to um, the archery change. And then I pulled some stats on our draw. So 20, 2019, um, we had 123,000 apps, you know, you know, and change from 162,000 applicants. That was up nine and a half percent, nine and a half percent more applicants over 2018. 10,700 more people wanted tags. Mm -hmm. well, we don't have 10,000 more animals, 11,000 more animals, right? This right. is just the fall draw. Um, and by the way, if you wait till the last minute, the last day, and our system crashes all the time, just so you understand, in 2019, the last three business days of the draw, we handled 4,800 customer phone calls to the office asking about the draw just in those three days. So, I mean, the amount of people calling us and then, you know, trying to get through on the phone and then complaining because they can't. When 5,000 people are calling, it's hard to answer the phone, right? So, right, right. don't wait till the last minute. Um, 2021, we had 170,000 apps. Uh, so that was up, um, versus 153 in 2020. Yep. And there was 214,000 applicants versus 194 before. So 20,000 more people applied. Okay. And then 2022, we jumped up to 217,000 people applied. So from 2019, 162,000 to 2022, uh, 217,000. So we, <laughs> we went up 24,000 people trying to get tags, mm -hmm. yet we only issued 25,000 tags to start with. 25,136 tags were issued on that elk and antelope draw in 2022, but we increased by 24,000 people that want tags. So yeah, I mean, when you're, you're not going to get tags all the time, we can't keep up with the demand, the amount of people that are moving into the state and the growth. Mm -hmm. we just can't sustain that with our deer and elk herds, especially with the drought. They're not growing. You know, the, the fawn crops are down. 
we cannot keep up with the demand. So something has to change, right? And that, that comes into the deer side. Mm-hmm. Our deer are getting hammered. Um, a lot of people are hunting them, especially with COVID. A lot of people showed up. Some of our units, you know, 40% of the harvest was archery. I mean, it was through the roof, the amount of people that went out and archery hunted and killed deer. And so something had to change. So last year, what we did is we shut down a lot of units, you know, when we looked at that, like, holy cow, we killed two or three times as many deer as we normally would in one year. We've got to make up for that somehow, right? And so we had to kind of give them some breathing room. Mm -hmm. And then this year, a bunch of the groups came to us with some of these proposals and the department kind of looked at it all and, and we, we put together this current structure that's out, this over-the-counter structure. So mm-hmm. it kind of was a culmination of all of that and, and a lot of feedback from the public and what the public was wanting. So to get to the over-the-counter tags and how we issued them, what, what we're targeting is 20% of the harvest to be archery. Okay, so okay. Um, these, these harvest limits, these thresholds that we set, um, we set them trying to target 20% of the take in that unit to be an archery take. Um, so how do we figure that out? Well, 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 hold on. Before we jump into how you figured it out, let's, let, let's explain that a little bit better. So the, the right. current system that has been implemented this year is a threshold system. And what that means is um, those of you who are familiar with uh, – bear hunting here in Arizona is a good way to uh, make an example of it is you there is a set amount of animals that are allowed to be taken instead of limiting the amount of tags that are sold they limit the amount of animals that are being able to be taken out of a single unit so it still provides opportunity meaning you could still go buy a tag and there still will may be a unit open for you to go hunt with that over-the-counter tag. But the there's those units may close, you know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how... I didn't really uh, dive into the how many days you had, you know, what the uh, leeway was, you know, as far as the... Uh, the threshold closing closing a unit down but uh and we'll well i guess we'll get into that but the the unit can close after x amount of you know if they have a threshold of five deer after five deer that have been taken with archery equipment that unit closes for archery for the rest of the season for the rest of the year not just the season is that correct yeah so it's just like bear and lion in that when you kill an animal, mm-hmm. you will have 48 hours to call it in. Okay, um, there's going to be an online link on our website. You can go on and, and report it that way. And or also, we're going to start doing e-tags, hopefully on this draw cycle. Um, but once e-tags are available, um, you can e-tag your animal and that'll actually serve as your mandatory report because you just reported it when you e-tagged it. Right. Um, so you'll either have to go in online and report it on the online system. Let's say if you have a paper tag or e-tags aren't out yet. Mm-hmm. And then very, very soon, I, we, we're, we're hoping to start it this draw cycle. But pretty soon here, we're going to have electronic tags. And um, as soon as we do, then when you tag it electronically, that, that'll serve as your mandatory report. But you'll, within 48 hours, you report. And then so what's going to happen is the season's open in certain units 
different times. It might only be an August, September hunt. It might be August, September and December, or it might be August, September, December and January, depending on, you know, the unit and, and what they have for hunts. But let's just say it's a, it's an August, September hunt. So you have mid August to mid September, say four weeks to hunt that the units open. Um, however, it can close any time that that, that that harvest limits met so let's just say the harvest limits 10 as soon as 10 deer are killed that unit will close to archery hunting um so you have to and what it'll do is it'll close um at, at every wednesday morning you need to call in and see if the unit's still open so if you call on a wednesday morning and it's open then you can hunt for that whole week so if, if they meet the limit say on tuesday night then it'll shut down and it'll be closed starting that next day on wednesday if they met the har the harvest limit on a Thursday, for instance, it would sh it would close, but not till the following Wednesday. So it would be open through the rest of that weekend, um, even though the limits met. Because we, I mean, it's it's unreasonable to call in every day, especially for camping. So if you can call in on Wednesday and check on that, just like you do with bears, it'll be open that whole week, and you can plan and go hunting, you know, throughout the weekend and not worry about it. So, um, but once it's closed, then then that unit's closed for the remainder of that season so the archery deer over the counter hunts have always been the seasons have been an august september hunt and then a december hunt and a january hunt um mm -hmm. depending on if it's open for all three but it's been those three for a long long time yep and uh with the bucks rutting and everything else being in that december january time frame um we made the archery hunt essentially that not a calendar year but it's going to start in august and end in january mm -hmm. so once that harvest limits met say it's met in august then you won't be able to hunt december or january it'll start the following august right um so the harvest limit applies to that archery season essentially which would be august through january um which in some of the units means we're not going to hunt in the winter um in some of the units we will it just is it's going to depend on you know how quick the harvest limits met yeah <laughs> yep and i think that's what the big fear is is a lot of people that are like oh well crap I, you know i don't especially out of state guys like oh i don't come out there till january uh what's the what's the chances i mean i, I can't really make plans right because you don't know especially if you're a guy like me who doesn't camp I don't when I'm archery hunting I really don't like to camp I like to have a shower and I like to have you know certain amenities and so on and so forth so like I can't even plan to get like a VRBO or you know as an outfitter now I don't I can't tell my guys oh my clients oh yeah no fly into Tucson because we're going to be hunting you know down there I it, I can't even do that like you know that's that's the one drawback to it um I don't know. Like, for me, I'm hoping that this current harvest limit is they went very um, conservative with it and plan on adjusting afterwards, you know, after the season. They have a season or two on there and have some data uh, and be able to adjust it so that it's a little bit more realistic. Um that or I'd like to see them, you know, some of these units where they got 750 freaking rifle tags. I mean, cut it down to 600. 
150 rifle tags and whatever you think that whatever the uh, success rate is of 150 people with the rifle tag during that season if that's 15 more 15 more deer let's say let's say 10 percent add that 15 to to the archery limit that's like, perfect i'm glad you went there because i wanted to discuss that because i read on a lot of the websites people are complaining about rifle tags or giving tags to muzzleloader hunts or this or that or oh they took tags away from archery hunters and gave them to the rifle hunters well just so you know first of all we reduced tags statewide because like i said the herds are down yep the fond doe ratios are down the buck doe ratios are down all of the units got really hammered the last few years because we had so many more hunters here with COVID, and they hunted for longer amounts of time and they just killed more deer and, and then we had a drought and everybody was sitting in water and yep. you know you sat there long enough you were going to get one so if you look at our general season this year our rifle tags we reduced 3,730 rifle tags. We cut that many out. Mm -hmm. Plus 350 youth tags, which was almost 8% of the youth tags. Plus 125 muzzleloader tags. Um, and we cut the, the archery only hunts like unit one is now a draw. It is now an over-the-counter hunt again, right? So, But anyway, we, we cut out 4,445 tags. So we didn't give tags to the general hunters. We took a ton of tags away from the general mm -hmm. hunters as we're trying to reduce take statewide because we need to for our herds and if you look at the harvest limits for mule deer and for whitetail combined there's 2970 the animals that can be taken with a bow so we cut out 4445 and we and we're allowing 2970 with a bow um so uh, um to get to kind of what you said on, on some of that rifle stuff mm -hmm. Let's say the unit has 500 rifle tags and you're looking at that going, wow, they have 500 rifle tags and there's only, say, 40 over-the-counter archery uh, harvest limit. You're like, why is this so unfair or flip-flopped? Well, the, the way we got to that is we, we used the rifle hunt success, mm -hmm. you know, the, the three-year mean. So that the hunt success in that unit, let's say there's 400 tags just for easy math. The hunt success in that unit might be 25%. Like in my unit, I told you, I think it was 16, but say 25%. So those 400 tags are only killing a hundred deer, right? 75% of them aren't successful. That's why we're able to issue so many more tags. So when we came up with this 20% for archery, what we did is we looked at the five-year data um, and the current year data. And we looked at the demand for rifle hunt versus archery on who's putting in. And so the, the amount of people that put in for rifle tags versus the amount of people that bought over-the-counter archery tags. And there's about 30,000 over-the-counter archery tags sold every year. So there's no shortage of them being sold. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that came out, the difference, that demand, it came out to about 19.99%, basically, basically 20% of the people were buying archery tags. Then we looked at people actually applying for archery versus applying for rifle. First choice, archery draw versus um rifle and that also came out to 20 percent, just over 20 right at 20. so 20 percent is essentially the demand we've had historically for these archery hunts so we went with 80 percent of the harvest should be rifle 20 percent should be archery that's kind of how we got there mm -hmm. so then what we did is we 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 take an assumption on the rifle hunts of what the 
what the success rate is going to be based on the previous three years. So the previous three year average is 25%, for instance. We assume that's going to be this year's success rate. And then we figure out, um, you know, the sum of the permits. So let's say there's, you know, uh, a thousand permits times that 25%. So we know that they're going to they're going to harvest 250 animals. So that gives us our our rifle take. So then we take the the rifle take and we divide that by 80% and that gives us the total take. And then all we have to do is subtract the rifle take from the total take to get what would be left for archery. So for instance, if there's 300 permits in the unit for rifle, they have a 51% success rate. They're going to kill 153 deer. Right. So we take that 153 and we divide it by 80% and that gives us 191 deer total for the 100%. So we take 191, subtract that 153 rifle kill from it, and that leaves 38 deer for the archers. And then we round that down to the nearest five. So that would be 35 because they're already being conservative, like you said. Mm -hmm. And so the threshold, the harvest limit for that unit this year would be 35. That's how they figure that out. So. 80% will get killed with a rifle, 20% with a bow, and that's how they're figuring out to keep the harvest, the actual harvest, at 20%. Mm -hmm. So instead of, like you said, instead of limiting, when you were talking about bears, limiting it to a certain number of permits, let's say going to a draw and only 100 people can have an archery tag and we know 30% success, you're going to kill, you know, 30 um, deer. Right. Instead of going that route, we left it over the counter where... 30,000 people can still buy tags and they can go hunt and they can go wherever they want. But we have to have a means of shutting that unit down so that on the year, like, you know, two years ago, unit eight, all of a sudden tons of people showed up in eight and 40% of the harvest was archery. How do you, I mean, how do you handle that? You can't predict that happening. You, you know, something like a COVID event and you can't, you can't recover from that. Eight's in really bad shape. They had to cut a bunch of, a tags this year you know to adjust for that and and mm -hmm. uh the archery threshold's kind of low if you notice and we've got a i mean basically they killed two or three years worth of deer in one year in that unit we've got to recover from that we're not we're not you know back east in some state that gets a lot of rain and they grow a lot of deer this is arizona it's a drought we have low fond doe ratios it takes a while to recover from these things so right we're able to respond that way and keep that harvest um where we want it by by setting these harvest limits um to your point i don't know if these limits are set in stone for a couple of years or if we're going to adjust them yearly i don't know if anyone knows that 100 percent sure yet on on our side of it i don't know if the commission decided if the game branch knows i don't know my side of that i know there's some changes coming i know the commission directed us to look at limiting non-residents um to 10 percent like we do on rifle and mm -hmm. i i know that there is a bill with the legislature right now because that's going to require a statute change i mean currently we we limit the draw tags but right. we don't limit over the counter so to do the over the counter limit that's going to require a statute change so there's a bill in the legislature that would allow that if that goes through it's probably going to apply at the um, time of sale mm-hmm and what I mean there is, let's say we've been selling 30,000 tags the last couple of years for over-the-counter, then only 3,000, 10% would be available for non-residents. And once they're all sold, then they're done. Um, so that's how they would limit that and keep it at right. 
so that that might be coming in the future that's not here now but it's something we're going to look at and whether or not it happens you know who knows first of all it would have to the bill would have to pass in the legislature so that's the first hurdle and then secondly we would have to decide to do it so whether or not that happens in the future i don't know but there are some things that will probably change with this system and, and honestly ultimately four or five years from now we might decide to make it a draw and that might just be the direction we go have to go so it, it could change from what you see now mm -hmm. yeah over time yeah, it's a kind of a difficult situation all the way around. Can't make everybody happy, right? Um, right. And, and ultimately, you get, oh, the, the end goal is to make sure that that there's deer on the landscape. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's... Let me let me touch on one more thing. Sure. I, and I explained it, but I want to make sure it's clear. Because I, I see so many people complaining about the number of rifle deer tags. I am an archery hunter. I pretty much only archery hunt. I haven't had a rifle deer tag in Arizona since 2008. Mm -hmm. So archery is my thing. And for me, I want to be able to hunt. That's what I like. So I would agree that I want the opportunity. But when I see people online saying, man, they're giving all the tags, the rifle hunter is not giving them to us. Well, like I said, we, we use the harvest percentage to figure out the tag numbers. And I'm going to use my unit, unit nine, as an example. I had about 450 total, including muzzleloader, rifle tags in nine um, the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So there was only 450 rifle hunters. I just told you 600 and something archery hunted. Right. So looking at the threshold isn't telling you how many people are having the opportunity to hunt. So the threshold for nine uh, is actually combined with seven for next year. But let's just say that number is 40, um, which, is, which it is, and I think it's 65. But you look at 65, and then you look at the number of rifle tags, you're like, man, this is so lopsided and not fair. Well, no, it's not, because there's 30,000 people buying archery tags. They could all go to nine if they want to. Mm -hmm. It's just a threshold on how many are actually harvested. It doesn't limit how much opportunity there is. Right, right. And look at the numbers. There's actually more archery hunters in nine than rifle hunters last year. So that argument online is not accurate and i see that all the time and it's just not true i i would say there's as many or more archery hunters in almost every unit as there are rifle hunters just because you have that freedom to go and go hunt those units with that over-the-counter tag. right right no I, that makes sense so i mean you said there's what you said there was thirty thousand archery over-the-counter tags sold yeah approximately yeah right so now. and there's only thirty four thousand total or th almost 35,000 total tags for rifle? Well, that's for deer. Uh, when I said 25,000 tags, that was the elk and antelope draw combined. Oh. Um, the, deer is, the deer is less. But, but yeah, there's less deer tags for rifle by far than there is over-the-counter archery tags. And those guys could go to any open unit. So really, they could all converge on unit 10 this year. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you could have, you know, 4,000 archery hunters versus, you know, 400 rifle hunters. Yeah. So it's, it's that, not... I think that's a good idea. It's a complete Everybody misconception by the archers online. Everybody listening should go to unit 10. I'm yeah. perfectly okay with that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but um, that's because I don't hunt unit 10. But... So you were talking about them uh, possibly limiting the um, the out of state for the non resident. Is that they're yes. just going to set a certain limit of 
over-the-counter tags like first come first serve and the first you know four thousand sold or whatever it is goes to out of state you know yeah that's or, what they're looking at okay. so i talked to the game branch yesterday to uh one of our our people down there and you know again this hasn't even passed the legislature so who yep. knows what's going to happen in the future right. nothing set in stone but what they're looking at doing is if that passes and we are able to put a cap on them, how do you cap how many people show up in Unit 9 versus Unit 8 versus Unit 10? There's really no way to do that. You'd have to sell a tag only good for that unit, which would – yeah. that's yeah. not really how our over-the-counter system works, right? You go to any open unit. So we like, can't really do that. So the only way to do it is to really limit the number of people that are actually able to buy a tag. Mm -hmm. So it would be um, at time of sale. Mm -hmm. um so based off of the last year or the three-year mean of however many people are buying over-the-counter tags so for instance if twenty-five thousand people bought the tag last year then 10 percent would be 2500 if thirty thousand people bought over-the-counter tag last year then 10 percent would be three thousand so right. they would just set it at that number and that's how many they would sell okay. is what they're talking about doing who knows what they decide I, but that's the direction that they're looking to do right now from what i, I was told believe that new mexico does something similar to that already um, I experienced that last year or the year before when I went to go buy an over-the-counter archery uh, javelina tag. Um, or actually, I don't know if it's archery, even archery. I think it's just an uh, over-the-counter javelina tag. There's, I, well, in my head, I thought over-the-counter, it's over-the-counter, right? Just like it is here. Uh, when we got there, they were all sold out. <laughs> so... Um, they have like a, a limit and i know in south dakota it's first come first serve um which is over the counter but again there's a limit so once they've reached x amount of tag sales you can't buy anymore um so and i so another another example would be idaho um their their system is I don't know. It gets a lot of criticism, but at the same time, I almost kind of like it. Like you, you get online and you wait on virtual, virtual line. And then when you come up, if the tag for that unit is available, you buy it. Like, um, if it's not, then you, you know, you go to your second or your third or your fourth choice. And if they're if those are not there, then you just don't get a tag. But, right, and again, that's limiting you to a unit. So the only way we can really yeah. not do a draw or or limit people to certain units, which for me, so for me, I buy over-the-counter archery tag. I grew up in the desert. My family still lives down by Wickerburg, so I hunt down by Wickerburg a lot because I'll go down and visit them and stay there. So I might hunt four or five units down there in the year. I might hunt four or five yep. units up here during the year. I might go over to the east side of the state and hunt that's a little how bit. That's I am, too. I'm all over the place. <laughs> 12, 15 units throughout the year just because that's where I'm hanging out versus I'll have to only hunt unit 10 from now on because yeah. that's where my archery tag is. And so I would rather keep the freedom to do that, and I could go hunt with my brother's kids when I'm down there or whatever and just have fun. Um is that going to last forever? Probably not. Again, our, you know, with drought and everything yeah. else in our herds, it's probably going to have to go to draw at some point. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. But, um, you know, for now, they're wanting to keep it where you can buy an over-the-counter tag and go hunt in an open unit. 
and keep that model. And the only way to do that and then to keep non-residents limited would be to do it at point of sale. Yep. Otherwise, you'd have to you'd have to say there's only 200 tags for this unit and 20 of those non-resident. That's the only way you could do it right. would be to basically have a draw. So yeah. right now, it's we're keeping it open statewide. You just go to whatever unit's open. You call on Wednesday. You make sure it's open. And you go hunt. Um, and that's allowing people to, do, to, to hunt where they want and hunt when they want it. And, and not have that draw on a set date. Um, so I, I know I can I can hear the people talking right now. And and to be perfectly honest with you, I've even kind of shared some of this. And I'm, I don't want to throw game of fish underneath the bus, but there's a lot of stuff that's going around out there about. Well, this is game and fish's fault because they started promoting the hunting and to out of state hunters and putting it to influencers and, and all that. And if you want to talk to that, I'm going to give you the, the opportunity to now, if not, I could easily edit that part out, but well, I'm, I'm not going to talk to that because that was the department decision, but I will say that, the introduction of the internet in general mm -hmm. and uh, you know, all these websites and, you know, people get on there like, Hey, I drew a 33 tag. Where do I go? And someone thinks they're helping and they get on there and they tell them like, Oh, go over to this canyon or that canyon. You know, that's always on the internet forever. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And you know, someone that posted that 15 years ago, my kid Googles it now and he goes, Hey, let's go to whatever Canyon and let's go check that out. You know? And then it's always out there. It's never, not there anymore and 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 i think the the internet has really caused a lot of that and especially a lot of the, the the blogs and the youtube channels and stuff now and i watched a channel last year where the guy was videoing out the side of his truck with his uh gopro while he drove to where the deer were actually in my unit and you could literally watch him drive right to the deer mm -hmm. and then they're showing the deer they're hunting and the guy came from Utah and he's got a drone footage and then he's got all the traffic signs as he's driving down the highway. And then he's got the dirt road, like with, with the GoPro, I could leave Utah and drive right to where he hunted. I mean, like, <laughs> how, how does that not make people show up? So a lot of the, a lot of the stigmatism, I guess, with out of state hunting. So if you grew up here and you're like, man, I want to go to Colorado and hunt and mm -hmm. 20 years ago, You'd be like, how do I do that? Now, with Go Hunt and Hunter's Trailhead and all these other ones, you know the odds, you know where to go, you have all these, you know, Eastern reviews of what units are good. And I'm not saying that stuff's bad. I'm just saying the information's out there. People can just do a little research and feel comfortable and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to Unit 71 in Colorado and I'm going to hunt this area and stay in this. And they kind of know what's going on. They know how to get the tags, they know where to go. And so I guess the ease of going out of state and doing that, um, the information that's out there has really made it where it's just so easy and people are so comfortable doing it. Whereas before, 20 years ago, they'd be like, man, I really want to go. I just don't know what to do when I get there. I don't know where to hunt. Is it all private? Like, where do I get my tag? And so some of that would have kept them home, but mm -hmm. now yep. it doesn't. So I, I mean, you can blame it on whatever you want. You could say the influencers and this and that, and the department shouldn't have done this and that. There's a lot of other factors out oh, there yeah, too. For sure. And so whether I agree with that or not, I'm not going to say because of the department decision, but I will say that it's not the only thing causing that. And 
and uh, there's a, there's plenty of other things that are that are contributing to that. One hundred percent. I'm I'm one of those contributing factors. I know I advocated for you know people to come here all the time, and uh, you know back. I, I kind of stopped doing it since like 2015, 2016, but I was always like, oh yeah, no, you're going to come to Arizona and hunt over the counter and da 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 da. And um, I definitely don't say that anymore because <laughs> I've seen it. You know, it's, it's I've a different it day change. and age, though. I I've mean, any change. 12 year old kid can Google yeah. all that now. It's, right. it's out there. So yeah. yep. um, even, even without, you know, some of these TV shows doing all that. It's in every magazine. It's on every oh, yeah. internet site. It's it's literally everywhere. So, um, it, it's just easy for people, it, and it's there's not that wonder of what's out there. You know, like I could go to Alaska and go hunting, and I know what to expect when I get there because I can watch twenty videos on it on that one area and be like, oh, okay. And when I get there, it's pretty much what I saw on TV. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, so it's th- a lot of that keeping you from going is is gone now you know yeah yeah i know trust me <laughs> i used to be the one guy that used to go everywhere and before anybody went anywhere i was always an out-of-state hunter um for as long as i could remember but it's definitely changed but i've also utilized that exact same thing you know i know i've i've improved my success rate because i've been able to do the research online so, but yeah, I, well, I think this generation is more into that too. I mean, if you look at the, the people in, let's say my dad's generation, I think most of the, the older guys pretty much hunted around home. They stayed home. They hunted on the weekends when they weren't working. It was fun for them, but it wasn't like as many big trips. It was, you know, go hunt the same places they hunted with their granddads, you know, hunt once a year and have fun and mm-hmm. share it with the family. And I think this, the new generation's more of a man. I want to go here and go there, and I want to make videos, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I, I think it's just it's a completely different shift where that's what they really want to do. And and there's more people doing that now than there would have been 20 years ago, anyway. Even if the information was out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. No, without a doubt. Well, cool, man. I want to thank you for coming on and uh, shedding some light on that. Um, you know, regardless, there's still going to be people pissed off about it. And we just got to realize that we're, you know, management is, uh, ever changing. You know, it's not a concrete science that needs to, it definitely needs tons of input and it needs to evolve with the, uh, current, uh, situation. And, and, you know, you guys are trying to do that right now. And, even though it's not ideal for us, I, uh, I, I believe in it, you know, and I believe that if, if the powers that be think it's going to help the deer herd, uh, then they're the experts and they should know. And I hope that it does, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that be honest with you. Like if you said, if Arizona fishing game said, listen, we're not going to hunt for two years. I would still, you know, this. the reason why they wouldn't do that is because then nobody would put money into the into the kitty. But if you came to me and said, hey, will you buy your hunting and fishing license for the next two years 
and we have no hunting for two years because we want to just like do a, a major overhaul, right? <laughs> and 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 hope all these these uh, help all these species come back to a, a a different level. And you told me two three years from now, or if you just said like this, put it like this: we're only going to give away ten tags per unit per species, or whatever whatever the case may be, something super low. And everybody still applied to have this like amazing possibly amazing hunt because it's such a low impact and so many, you know, very little people in the field. And we're just going to do it for two years to give, you know, everybody a break, you know, give all these animals a break while we're, you know, hopefully the habitat is improving, whatever. I'd be for it. Uh, Again, it would suck, you know, I'm probably not going to be one of the 10 guys that gets a tag, but it's, it's just one of those things like, well, it need it needed to be done and it's going to you know benefit the the herd and, but, but i'm also a guy that goes out Whoa. of state so if i if you're not a guy that goes out of state to find opportunity somewhere else then it's like shit you just took away something that i do for 2 years you know well first of all that's probably never going to happen no it's but, not it's not ever but, i don't know i i'm just going to leave it at that I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm supporting, I'm, I'm supporting, it wouldn't bring the unit back to the 1980s. Level. No, it's not. And it's it not. would help to cut back for a year or two, yeah. but it wouldn't bring it back to what we're remembering from we, what we were kids is what I'm trying no, to say. I, I don't think and you, that's gone. That's yeah. never coming back. Like, could we help the unit a little maybe, but we're never going to bring it back to what a lot of these guys on the internet are talking about and remembering and, right. and wanting to see. Um, well, yeah, aside from bringing it back to what it was, I, th- I think what's important is to bring it to a spot that's sustainable, that we can get to a point where whatever program we're on can go on for very long periods of time where there's still consumption, there's still conservation of, of the resource and um, an opportunity and funding and all that stuff and, and the whole the whole system works right and that's that's what that's what we're, the goal is not i don't think the goal would be to try to get back to the way it was 30 years ago because like you said there i mean at the very least we don't have the same amount of habitat that we had 30 right. years ago because i mean that in itself and of all the studies that i've read and when i was in school uh, for rangeland management, the the number one factor is loss of habitat. The number one factor is, um, especially for mule deer, and that's why the mule deer population is not only the loss of habitat, but the um, the dispersal of it, the segregation, because they can't use the landscape. You know, where whitetail are a little bit more. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's to easiest to see with antelope. Yeah, like, just look at Presque Valley, mm-hmm. you know, and and look at the difference in the antelope there. So it, just because it's open land, I think it's the easiest to see with antelope. And the habitat goes away. I mean, where else are they going to go? They go down to pine trees. There's, I yeah, mean, they're, they're not so they're, many of them are right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, um, I, it's the only place, like really one of the only places that I've ever really seen antelope in, in pines and and in the mountains. I mean, I have in Wyoming a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, they're not 
they didn't evolve to that habitat and they're being forced to it. So now they're going to be more susceptible to predation because that's not where their strengths are. You know, their strengths are are not in running around in the trees. So anyway, uh, I can tell you, we, we talked about sustainable herds that the lens that I look at, look through when I'm trying to set my hunt wrecks and trying to, to figure out how much to cut back or whatever. Um, I'm looking at my kids and my grandkids getting to hunt. And I'm looking at trying to let them have the same opportunities I have today. So, you know, like cutting back these deer tags this year statewide, we could keep shooting them. We could keep shooting them, sure. But, you know, by the time my kids are my age, there's not going to be anything left. You know, like Mm -hmm. we have to... We have to adjust to all those factors, the differences in the rain and the, the hunting pressure and take and different things in order to sustain those herds to where our kids and grandkids can hunt. I mean, we could be greedy. We could just go shoot them all, but that's, yeah. no, that's I, not, I well, don't think that's I, any of us. I guess where I involved. was getting at before was, and with my drastic suggestion, it wasn't really a suggestion, my drastic example of only, you know, not hunting for a year or two, is the the idea is if we're doing what we're doing now so that the herd has a chance to rebound or are we just doing that now so we're spreading out the inevitable which is what what i hope we're not doing um you know i don't want to look back 20 years from now and go well now there's no deer because you know, we just we just prolonged it by taking, limiting the amount of take. You know, uh, the plan and me for me, it's like the plan needs to be about sustainability of how how long. You know, what do we need to do to get the longest longest possible life out of what we're doing? So, anyway, but that, like I said, that's a whole. Different, I think everyone would agree with that. So, different conversation, but all right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm sure we'll chat. All right, thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming, helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. Um, And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.